Hello, I'm Greg Muller and I'm the instructor for the course Food Toxicology. When we talk about food toxicology, most of us, either through our own experience or through experience that we've seen in friends or family, can relate to uh, an aspect of food toxicology referred to as food allergy. Food allergies are relatively common in the human population. Uh, they range from uh, mildly uh, irritating uh, to somewhat of a nuisance to perhaps in some cases, as you read, uh, life-threatening. What we're going to try to do today is go through a little bit of the background of food allergy. Again, I would caution you, this is a, a, a not a course in, in allergy medicine. Uh, or immune function, what we're going to try to do in the course of this particular lecture is give you a sufficient background so that you're better prepared to understand some of the jargon, some of the basic mechanisms and relationships between food and allergic reaction. Our learning objectives here today, what we're going to try to do is understand the types of adverse food reactions. Adverse food reactions being a collective term. We're going to try to differentiate food allergy and food sensitivity. Our next lecture, we're actually going to start talking about some of these uh, food sensitivities and including some metabolic disorders associated with diet. We're going to try to understand the role of immunoglobulin E, IgE as it's referred to, in allergic reaction. It's one of the key immune mediators in allergy. We're going to try to explore the types of IgE and non-IgE mediated food allergy, okay? Some of the little pathways. Again, we're only going to go kind of in a superficial way in terms of trying to review some of this, uh, but at least enough to give you a good sense of the relationship of food and allergy. We're going to try as well summarize the series of events associated with an allergic reaction. Again, some of those can be life-threatening. We're going to try to examine some of the symptoms of allergic reaction, uh, including food and systemic anaphylaxis. Uh, many of us have heard the term anaphylaxis or anaphylactic shock. We'll talk about that in its uh, presentation as an allergic response. We'll try as well to summarize the, uh, uh, some of the approaches that uh, uh, clinical medicine has in terms of diagnosing food allergy. And then we'll try to survey, in, in a very uh, uh, broad way, some common food allergens, uh, uh, the top 10 or so, uh, give you an idea of some of the foods and food substances that are of most concern in relationship to food allergy. Well, in terms of uh, adverse reactions to food, many of us have them. 30% uh, of the population here in the United States report that a family member has some sort of food allergy. Quite often this is observed in children and so we see it uh, intimately in our family lives. The actual percentage uh, uh, does vary uh, and it crosses the threshold from allergy to sensitivity to food adverse, adversity where you just don't like a particular food and you have a physiological reaction to that dislike. Uh, there is a tremendous uh, difference in terms of subpopulations and ethnic groups, uh, racial backgrounds, where food sensitivity and perhaps even metabolic disorders play a strong role in adverse reactions to food. Now, some of these common allergies and food groups include uh, cow's milk, uh, crustacea, lobster, or shrimp allergies, uh, eggs uh, in the albumin protein, fish in terms of some of the components associated with fish and the metabolic products of uh, fish and the bacteria on fish, 
Uh, peanut allergy is a one that is uh, uh, reported quite often in the news because of the violence, perhaps, of some of the outcomes uh, of peanut allergy. Uh, soybean allergy, tree nut allergies of a variety, and uh, wheat allergy, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, gluten-type allergies or celiac disease. Adverse food reactions uh, can be uh, termed as allergies, uh, sensitivities, or intolerance. These are general terms that can be applied to almost any clinically abnormal response to food or food additives. Uh, one of the concerns, for instance, that we see in biotechnology when we are changing the components, and sometimes these are protein components associated with a food product, uh, a commodity perhaps, uh, there is some great concern that these new changes in proteins, uh, new proteins appearing in food, are going to elicit an allergic reaction. We'll do an entire lecture here in food toxicology associated with the relationship between food and biotechnology. And in this lecture, what we'll try and do is explore how we review the potential for allergenicity in the products of biotechnology. Some of the symptoms uh, across uh, adverse food reactions are similar in terms of sensitivity versus allergy. And so we try to partition them, but I want you all to recognize that there is a crossover in terms of uh, the absolute sort of pathway of uh, these particular uh, uh, disease manifestations. Some of the types of adverse food reactions, if we go through this list, we have allergy, we have non-immune anaphylaxis or anaphylactoid sort of responses. Uh, we have uh, intolerance, food intolerance. We have metabolic disorders where perhaps uh, uh, the subject is missing a particular enzyme and therefore they're sensitized to that particular uh, uh, component of food. We have idiosyncratic responses, which are somewhat unique to individuals, and sometimes those can be uh, drawn up among uh, uh, racial or uh, family backgrounds in terms of heritable changes. Uh, they aren't necessarily classic uh, in terms of their presentation across broad segments of society. Uh, we have drug interactions or pharmacological food reactions. Most of us at some point have taken a, a, a pharmaceutical, a drug, and have read on the label, do not consume with a certain sort of uh, food product uh, because of the potential for an interaction. Uh, sometimes that can be an interaction that actually uh, decreases the capacity of the drug to have its positive effect. Uh, if you take a penicillin-type drug, they warn you not to drink uh, milk products or have milk products, dairy products, and that has a lot to do with the calcium and the calcium binding capacity of penicillin-type chemicals. As well, one of the final uh, types of adverse food reactions is, is over-toxicity, where a particular chemical in the food has a direct toxic impact. In other words, there is a chemical reaction and uh, a disease manifestation in toxicosis. Now some of these food sensitivities and allergies uh, can be categorized as either food true allergies where you have an activation of the immune system. We have some food sensitivities and we're going to talk in our next lecture, this is a paired set of lectures, a little bit more about some of these uh, food sensitivities and, and metabolic disorders. Uh, some of these include anaphylactoid reactions, uh, some of these uh, metabolic disorders, and some of these idiosyncratic uh, reactions. Uh, we'll deal with many of these in the next lecture in this two-part series. Some of it, uh, as you find in terms of foods, they'll have 
uh, they'll cross categories. Uh, they don't necessarily just become uh, an immune-mediated response. They can actually have uh, uh, both types of reactions. And some adverse food reactions uh, are extremely hard to classify. We just don't know exactly what is going on uh, in terms of the medical research. Uh, we have some hypotheses in terms of the mechanistic pathway of this reaction, but some of these are complex and often cascading or complement reactions that cause numerous different interactions and reactions throughout the organism. In terms of food aversions, uh, this is where, uh, and you may have seen this uh, around children, I just don't want spinach. Uh, I, I don't want anything green, and they'll shake their head and, and uh, uh, feign uh, illness. And sometimes there is an illness response uh, to uh, a food, uh, perhaps because of a psychological linkage, uh, negative psychological linkage to that food. As it does turn out, in terms of double-blind testing, and this is extremely important in food uh, uh, reaction research. When they do double-blind testing with food aversions, it's not necessarily the food product itself or any of the chemical makeup, but it's the presentation of the food, the psychological impact of that particular food, perhaps associated with a negative experience. And so we're unable to really mimic or duplicate those responses in a controlled, blinded study. Now, in terms of one of the categories of food allergy, we have hypersensitivity. Um, this is the, the classic uh, range of food allergies. These are immune-mediated reactions, and so in a certain sense, we have to learn a little bit about the immune system in terms of its response to the uh, proteins and, and chemicals in food that might elicit this response. It can be triggered by very small amounts of food, and so in classic food allergy, uh, a little is enough. And so in terms of individuals with food allergies, they really have to be on their guard, not only for uh, the small amounts of the food product that they are uh, allergic to, but also potential cross-reactivity with other proteins that may have similar reactions but not come directly from that food. It does occur uh, on the second exposure or, again, to a cross-reacting antigen. Again, an antigen that presents from another food product that is close enough in structure and function to elicit the same immune response. Some of the uh, outcomes are anaphylaxis and some sort of cutaneous reactions. Uh, you've seen hives, rashes, uh, bumps, uh, uh, itching, uh, histamine-based reactions. These are very common food allergy uh, reactions. In terms of the history of food allergies, uh, in ancient times, the early Greeks and Romans actually did observe uh, some food allergies. Uh, Hippocrates uh, documented milk sensitivity uh, almost 3,000 years ago. Uh, in 1921, a group of researchers injected a normal person with a fish extract and got no effect. Uh, they followed up with uh, injecting the serum of a sensitive person uh, and then the fish extract and actually saw an allergic reaction. And so this was the first observation of this sensitization, the two-stage uh, aspect of food allergy. It wasn't until 1966 that researchers discovered the role of IgE uh, as this immune mediator um, antibody that uh, was important in allergic reaction and uh, the main, uh, perhaps, uh, biological response to allergy. In terms of the epidemiology of uh, food allergy, it f we find that it about affects about 6% uh, of children uh, less than 3 years old. A lot of these allergies 
are milk and soy based allergies. Uh, the prevalence in these young children has a lot to do with immature gastrointestinal tracts, the inability to digest certain uh, uh, components, certain proteins, um, milk proteins. Uh, cow's milk uh, food allergy is about 2.5% of the population. Um, mostly about 80% uh, of uh, individuals that do have a cow's milk intolerance or allergy uh, resolve that by about their fifth birthday. Egg allergies, and this is primarily with albumin and some of the proteins in eggs, about 1.5%. Uh, and again, these children have about 85% uh, resolution by their third birthday. Peanut allergy is about half a percent. Um, there is a clinical tolerance that can be reached in uh, some small minority of uh, individuals. Uh, there is some epidemiological observations out there that peanut allergy may be increasing uh, in the uh, uh, in children, uh, and uh, this might be a result of an increase in sensitization or the prevalence of these peanuts and peanut oils in products uh, that uh, are uh, uh, fed to uh, younger children or allowed just in the food system in general. It might also be that we're better getting better at diagnosing it and recording the instances of this particular food allergy. In terms of uh, food allergy, there is really only a small subpopulation at risk, uh, in total less than 1%. Um, as it turns out, there is a familial uh, linkage, uh, perhaps hereditary. 65% of susceptible people have close relatives with allergy. There is some uh, uh, response in terms of potential for increased intestinal permeability. Uh, some of these have to do with uh, diseases uh, prior to the development of allergies, uh, some viral gastro gastroenteritis, uh, some cystic fibrosis or um, premature birth is a, is a predisposition factor or risk factor for uh, food allergy as well as something generally referred to as leaky gut syndrome, where there is passage of proteins typically uh, from the gut into the intestinal cavity and therefore potential immune-mediated response. In terms of uh, food allergy, um, it is uh, higher in children with uh, other uh, atopic disorders. Uh, atopy is a uh, classic sort of series of uh, allergic type reactions. These individuals have eczema, dermatitis, uh, sometimes tremendous amounts of allergies. Uh, there is, uh, we find food allergies uh, prevalent in these individuals. 35% uh, of children uh, uh, demonstrate food allergies that are atopic. Uh, about 6% of asthmatic children also have this. And so uh, individuals that are set up in terms of their IgE levels or uh, general uh, immune status and uh, are, are predisposed to uh, food allergies. Adverse reactions to food additives, uh, about half to one percent of children. And so, again, this is, these are not huge numbers in terms of a predominant sector of the population of children, but this is uh, a significant amount. And again, because the outcome of food allergy can be uh, fairly dramatic and, and uh, uh, uncomfortable, this is something that uh, physicians do monitor. The pathophysiology of uh, the whole presentation of allergens in the food system goes as such. What we find is that GI tract forms a barrier to the outside environment. You've got to remember that food and the intestinal flora, uh, there's an epithelial lining in there. 
the gut-associated lymphoid tissue actually protects us from the bacteria that's inside that comes in in our food system in terms of normal consequences of eating as well as our intestinal flora. Uh, what we find is that uh, uh, in, in uh, food allergy, the gut-associated lymphoid tissue does uh, inhibit responses to non-dangerous antigens but it has the ability to mount a response to pathogens. And so it's this detectability uh, in terms of upset stomach or pathogens uh, or food poisoning, microbial food poisoning, that we have this uh, selective response. Uh, we typically will refer to this in terms of the non-responsiveness as oral tolerance. And so many of these proteins, many of these marker compounds uh, that perhaps uh, will, in some cases, lead to food allergy in normal populations will be uh, demonstrate oral tolerance. Uh, pretty much what we find in food allergy is that the, the intact food antigens actually will penetrate the GI tract uh, and not necessarily uh, cause clinical symptoms. Uh, what we do is uh, predisposed individual when we have in oral intolerance uh, failure, uh, we'll have an immune-mediated response and therefore a food allergy. Well, hypersensitivity is uh, broken down into four basic uh, immune-mediated allergic uh, responses. Um, this helps us categorize or simplify uh, the full range of the immune system and its response to, to allergens. Uh, of these, type 1 and perhaps type 4 are the most important in food allergy, although all of these uh, take part uh, somewhat in the whole uh, range of food, adverse food reactions. In type 1, we refer to this as immediate sensitivity. This is an IgE-mediated um, allergic response. Uh, we have this because there's a failure in oral tolerance that does lead to uh, some excessive food-specific IgE antibodies being developed. Uh, these bind on many cells, and these cells include the basophils and mast cells, mast cells being cells that reside primarily in connective tissue, um, and they have a tremendous uh, uh, immune uh, response responsibility. Uh, I have a diagram here of uh, a generalized cartoon of what a mast cell has. Um, they typically have granules inside. These granules uh, contain many of the uh, immune-mediating substances, such as histamine, uh, what happens is that IgE binds to the surface, uh, and these IgEs have a, uh, an antibody reaction with an allergen, and that stimulates a progressive degranulation of the mast cell and release of some of these, uh, uh, a cascade of these uh, uh, compounds such as histamine. Uh, this is a good thing uh, because uh, of potential for uh, for example, uh, parasites and, and uh, uh, other infectious processes. But in fact, uh, when you really think about this, uh, um, this immune response is actually coming from a small chemical or a protein uh, or an antibody relationship, not necessarily life-threatening. And so from an evolutionary biology point of view, uh, researchers are struggling with why exactly this particular system exists in terms of this cascade of effects, this allergic reaction. What is it really protecting us from? Why are we having a life-threatening, potentially life-threatening response to a chemical that perhaps in and of itself is not life-threatening? And again, this goes back to uh, the uh, potential history of parasites uh, in the human organism. 
what we find is that the food allergens will penetrate the mucosal barrier and then bind with these uh, IgE antibodies that have been pre-sensitized to that particular allergen and then you get this uh, cellular mediator release. In terms of the uh, endpoints of this release of uh, type 1 hypersensitivity, uh, you'll get cutaneous uh, responses, hives, uh, urticaria. Uh, you can see here in the picture, those of you that have ever had a hives type reaction know this well. Uh, welts, uh, uh, rashes of various kinds, uh, flushing. GI impacts in terms of lip, tongue, or uh, palate, palatable itch, palate itching uh, and swelling. Uh, laryngeal edema uh, in terms of uh, the, the windpipe uh, becoming somewhat hard to breathe uh, and in some cases uh, vomiting and diarrhea. So a full range of potential responses focusing on the dermal aspects and the GI tract aspects. In terms of respiratory uh, responses, uh, we find in terms of upper respiratory uh, itching of the eyes and uh, tearing, some nasal congestion, running noses, typical allergic uh, reactions for those of you that have allergies. In terms of uh, lower respiratory tract, uh, bronchiospasms, wheezing, uh, and uh, uh, in terms of generalized um, aspects of the full course of uh, uh, dramatic food allergy, you may end in uh, generalized anaphylactic shock, uh, which needs to have active treatment, it can be life-threatening. The next uh, type of hypersensitivity reaction is a non-IgE-mediated class called type 2 antibody-dependent uh, cytotoxicity. In this particular case, we've got an antibody that binds to the surface of a tissue, something like a red blood cell, and uh, a, uh, um, it introduces a uh, cascade response referred to as complement activation. Uh, there's an immune cascade that, uh, in fact, uh, releases these uh, immune, these inflammatory mediators, uh, leading to some tissue damage. Uh, this is one of the types of immune reactions associated, for instance, with transplant rejection. It's also associated with milk-induced uh, thrombocytopenia, where there is a destruction or a removal of thrombocytes uh, from the blood system. Another class of non-IgE-mediated uh, allergic reactions, hypersensitivity reactions, uh, are antigen-antibody complex-mediated, and this uh, leads, again, to a complement activation or a cascade of immune-mediated uh, chemical responses, a fairly complex reaction. Uh, it's been implicated in uh, food-related um, complaints. We find these uh, complexes uh, in the sera of normal patients. Uh, it's more commonly found in patients with food hypersensitivity. In terms of the relationship of these complexes uh, to food disease, uh, this has uh, been a challenge in terms of uh, medical research and drawing a line. Uh, of connection between the observation of these uh, complexes and food allergy, separating them out, if you will. The fourth class of hypersensitivity is type 4 cell-mediated hypersensitivity. It also is a non-IgE mediated. Uh, this is the uh, classic uh, um, interaction associated perhaps with uh, some delayed hypersensitivities like celiac disease. Uh, there's a relationship of immune cells like CD4 plus T lymphocytes 
uh, and there's a promotion of reactions of uh, many of the immune-mediating chemicals. Uh, it's likely to contribute to a number of GI disorders, and uh, what we find is that uh, there can be a tremendous uh, cascade of, of uh, immune response and perhaps even uh, tissue uh, uh, lesions associated uh, with uh, these uh, reaction sites in the gut. In terms of cell-mediated hypersensitivity, uh, the cutaneous uh, aspects of this uh, are associated with contact dermatitis and uh, the formation of blistering on the skin. Some of this is extremely dramatic if you uh, uh, search around some of the uh, dermatology sites and the food allergy sites. Uh, we can have GI tract um, sensitivity in terms of uh, uh, enterocolitis, proctocolitis, and also enteropathy of the upper and lower GI tracts. In terms of respiratory tract, uh, what we find is uh, there, there can be a pulmonary condition referred to as Heiner syndrome. It's an interalveolar bleeding, uh, essentially a, a fluid passage in the lungs. Uh, and you can imagine that this is not a, uh, a condition that should be uh, ignored, obviously. In terms of uh, mixed IgE and cell-mediated, what we find in terms of uh, allergic endpoints, uh, we can get uh, atopic dermatitis in terms of dermal impacts, GI tract uh, uh, inflammation uh, associated with allergic response, and some respiratory disease uh, such as asthma. In terms of a summary for IgE-mediated food allergy, we have a progression of events that typically starts with the production of IgE antibodies. These bind to the surface of uh, mast cells or basal cells. Uh, we then have a second exposure to an allergen, so we have a pre-sensitization, and then we have a, a, a full allergic response. This is why uh, physicians warn people that have an allergic response to, for instance, uh, a pharmaceutical like a penicillin allergy, uh, they mark on your charts uh, not to give you penicillin because the first time it might be a rash, the next time it might have in, uh, significantly more severe consequences. Uh, on the second exposure to the allergen, the allergen cross-links uh, IgE on the surface of these cells. Uh, there's a release of histamine, uh, bradykinin, uh, leukotrienes, tumor necrosis factor. Uh, there's inflammation and swelling that follows that. This uh, swelling uh, causes, uh, is caused by some capillary leakage of uh, local blood, blood, uh, blood vessels, uh, leaking white blood cells uh, to the area. This gives you the inflammatory response that you've, you've perhaps had when you've had a rash. Uh, and finally, uh, the presentation of uh, or cascade towards uh, some level of allergic reaction. Um, in the picture here, you'll see uh, what's referred to as an epinephrine stick. Uh, this is an epinephrine injector. It's an auto-injector. Um, children and adults that are, have uh, strong food allergies typically uh, carry these injectors uh, with them to, in response to a uh, food allergy or food allergy exposure. In terms of the uh, immune cell responses uh, to an allergen, uh, this cartoon uh, diagrams uh, mast cell sensitization. If we follow this uh, across the cartoon here, we've got an allergen that's presented to a sensitized mast cell. And when I say sensitized, it means that the IgE has been sensitized, pre-sensitized to this particular allergen. There's a binding site. Uh, the binding between IgE and mast cells is significant, even though they're 
two separate entities in terms of where they come from in the biosynthesis system. The reaction is so strong that when you can consider them to be uh, almost permanently uh, coding on these mast cells. Uh, there is a receptor uh, interaction when, in, when they are exposed to an allergen. This uh, leads to some chemotaxis and uh, a process called degranulation in the mast cells. Uh, mast cells are typically uh, found in connective tissue. Uh, when uh, this does happen, uh, the degranulation actually uh, explodes uh, some of the cellular components in the granules, which contain uh, histamine and some other inflammatory products and immune system mediators. Uh, this then cascades down and has direct impact, for instance, on smooth muscles, on tissues, on the bronchioles, and this is the endpoint allergic reaction that uh, we experience when we have an allergy. Way to look at this uh, as well in terms of uh, an actual uh, uh, micrograph of these mast cells. This is the normal mast cells stained on this side, and you can see uh, the granules uh, within uh, the individual mast cells. Once they've had their uh, allergen interaction, they've been sensitized and they start releasing, you'll see a deformation and a release of uh, the chemicals, a significant change uh, in terms of the response of these cells to uh, in an immune-mediated uh, reaction. Now, the symptomology of food allergy uh, is broad, and it depends upon the individual, the range of allergy, and the sensitivity of the individual to that particular allergen. In terms of respiratory endpoints, we find uh, asthma, wheezing, uh, bronchiospasms, uh, shortness of breath. In terms of cutaneous hives, uh, eczema, rash, uh, and uh, itching. GI impacts, uh, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal pain. You can see inflammation, vasoconstriction, hypotension, chest pain, nausea, full range. And so it can go again from a, a nuisance to a, a, a life-threatening uh, situation in terms of the range of symptoms. One of the life-threatening aspects of uh, food allergy is anaphylaxis. Uh, anaphylaxis uh, can be localized or generalized, uh, mild uh, and annoying to fatal. Uh, it can depend upon the amount ingested in the length of time from the initial exposure and the presensitization uh, factor. Uh, not all symptoms are uh, found in all people, and so this can, again, uh, affect many people, but not everyone. Local anaphylaxis is a relatively common uh, allergy manifestation, atopy. Uh, about 10% of the people have uh, atopic syndrome. Uh, it's sometimes associated with uh, certain uh, types of individuals, uh, hereditary factors, uh, light-skinned people, red-haired people typically have uh, uh, more presentation of local anaphylaxis. These individuals are easily sensitized to allergens, uh, and they have uh, caused uh, that uh, cause a localized reaction when inhaled or ingested. These individuals typically have uh, are more commonly uh, afflicted with hay fever, hives, uh, asthma, and other sorts of uh, atopic uh, diseases. It's a clustering phenomenon uh, with a, a broad range of uh, sensitivities to various uh, allergens. Generalized systemic anaphylaxis is the one that's of greatest concern, perhaps an allergic reaction. Uh, this particular uh, disease manifestation or allergy manifestation accounts for about one-third of all the anaphylaxis uh, seen in emergency rooms. The symptoms uh, include uh, rashes and uh, angioedema. 
respiratory in terms of typical sort of uh, uh, allergic reactions, uh, runny nose, uh, bronchial hyperreactivity, uh, cardiac hypotension, arrhythmias, vascular collapse in, in uh, the advanced presentation of this uh, particular uh, um, uh, symptom. In the GI tract, nausea, vomiting, uh, abdominal cramping, and diarrhea. There is a diagnosis in terms of uh, systemic anaphylaxis by a history and demonstration of food-specific uh, IgE in the individual. In terms of fatal food-induced anaphylaxis, uh, you read about the occasional uh, peanut allergy um, anaphylaxis causing uh, uh, death uh, in the news media. In terms of a review of fatal food-induced anaphylaxis in this particular review, 32 cases. Uh, most were adolescents or young adults. There was a history of a prior reaction to the uh, implicated food group. Uh, only about 10% of these individuals had uh, an epi stick with them, uh, and uh, obviously it was insufficient in terms of uh, mitigating the allergic reaction. Uh, peanuts and tree nuts uh, were responsible for a majority, 94% of these fatalities. And so this gives you an issue in terms of uh, an outcome of an allergic reaction uh, in terms of what actually happens out on the street. Uh, peanut allergies are probably the worst uh, in terms of having a fatal outcome. There's another form of anaphylaxis called exercise-induced anaphylaxis, and this is somewhat rare form, and it occurs when a patient exercises a number of hours after ingestion of a specific food. Uh, some of these offender offending foods include wheat, celery, shellfish, uh, fish of various kinds, uh, fruit, and milk. What is interesting in terms of the presentation of this allergic response without the exercise, uh, the food is, does not have this allergic reaction. It's most common in women uh, 15 to 35 years old. The symptoms are more pronounced just prior to menstruation. Uh, diagnosis is, again, based on a history of evidence of specific IgE reactions with that particular food. In terms of the clinical medicine, how do we go about diagnosing uh, food allergy? Uh, usually the self or parental uh, diagnosis, self-diagnosis of food allergy uh, is uh, is wrong. Uh, we find that the food um, diary uh, works uh, significant in terms of diagnosing what the response is and correlating it to a particular food type. So the when, what, how, much uh, diary of food ingestion and associating that with some sort of allergic response is extremely helpful. As well, there is a double-blind uh, food challenge, the DBFC, uh, where, in fact, they, neither the patient nor the doctor know if the placebo or the allergen uh, is in the food uh, product and uh, monitoring for reaction. In terms of uh, laboratory medicine or, or clinical medicine, uh, the skin prick test, many of you have been tested for allergies, may have gone through a skin prick test at the allergist's office and also uh, a radio-labeled uh, antibody test called RAST, R-A-S-T. In the skin prick test, what we do is try to find out in a very uh, quick uh, assay to determine if IgE is involved. It's a preliminary test. Uh, what we do is apply allergens uh, to the forearm, to the back, a large surface area. There's a scratching of skin to kind of make sure that the blood and the allergen are mixed. Uh, an inflammation that occurs is diagnostic uh, for um, a, an allergic response. Inflammation will result from histamine and edema, 
uh, following an allergic reaction. Uh, there is a positive control used in this in terms of putting histamine as one of these uh, skin prick tests. Uh, for those of you who have done this laboratory, uh, I mean this office visit test, uh, you'll note that uh, you go in for your, your skin prick and there's an array of allergens. Uh, sometimes uh, multiple visits are required in terms of doing the whole range, perhaps dozens of these chemical compounds to adequately diagnose uh, the range of allergies an individual might have. The other test is called a radioallergoabsorbent uh, test, or RAST, R-A-S-T. Uh, what we do is we test for IgE and IgE levels, and then we apply a crude extract of allergen to a solid phase in a tissue culture plate. When you add the patient's serum, there is a reaction of the IgE uh, to the allergen. There's a binding reaction. And then we add an anti-IgE uh, to this uh, radio-labeled—I mean, a radio-labeled antibody—and we measure the binding uh, in this particular laboratory trial. And this gives you an idea of whether or not we do have a um, uh, an IgE reaction for that particular uh, allergen. Some of the common uh, allergenic foods uh, in infants and children include cow's milk, as I said, it's the most common. Eggs, legumes, uh, including peanuts and soybean, uh, and wheat uh, are associated with the most common food allergies in children. In terms of uh, common allergies, uh, uh, food allergies for adults, uh, we find peanuts uh, and soybeans in the gross category of legumes, uh, shrimp, crab, uh, and lobster. Uh, clams, oysters, scallops, fish of various kinds uh, via histamine uh, contamination quite often, uh, tree nuts, eggs, and wheat uh, in terms of presentation of celiac disease. Food allergens uh, uh, are necess aren't necessarily just one compound in a food product. Uh, as it turns out, uh, many multiple proteins occur in a food substance, and each one can have a selective reactivity in terms of an allergic response. Some of the protein allergens uh, in milk, we have casein, uh, lactoglobulins, uh, lactoalbumins. Uh, in terms of food processing, there is no reduction in milk uh, allergens by pasteurization, condensation, evaporation, or drying. So the food allergy will present uh, for a, a significant range of dairy products. For egg allergies, the uh, allergen is the uh, ovoalbumin. Uh, conalbumin and lipoprotein associated with eggs. Egg white appears to uh, carry more of the proteins and therefore more aller allergenic response. Uh, again, there's no reduction uh, even with the adulteration of some of these proteins by cooking. In peanuts, uh, some of the uh, protein uh, allergens have been identified as uh, arachin, lectin-reactive glycoprotein, and uh, a protein called peanut-1. Uh, these are also are very heat stable, and that's why you find peanut allergies associated with peanut oil, even peanut oil that has been used in frying and high temperature cooking. Uh, trace sensitivity is uh, a significant factor associated with peanut allergy. In fish, we find uh, uh, a, uh, an allergen referred to as allergen M. It's a common uh, protein in fish. It's a muscle protein uh, called uh, parvalbumin. Um, these proteins are conserved in most fish species. Uh, they're very cross-reactive from species to species. Uh, again, very stable in processing. And so if you have a fish allergy, uh, this is typically 
the allergen of uh, greatest uh, sensitivity. In terms of uh, the broad range of allergenic proteins across the food system, not many of these specific uh, compounds uh, have been identified. Uh, as it turns out, peanuts have about 30% protein. Uh, there's a wide variety of proteins involved in many food products. In soybeans, it's about 42% protein. It is difficult to isolate specific uh, uh, moieties. Uh, some of the groups that we find in terms of uh, uh, hypersensitivity reactions, albumins, lipoproteins, globulins, glycoproteins, and various S fractions associated with food products. And so it typically may not just be one compound, but a range of compounds in a food product. In terms of the ones that we have somewhat identified and followed up on, cow's milk, we find uh, beta-lactoglobulin as being one of the uh, allergens identified. In egg yolk, it's lipoprotein. In peanuts, it's peanut one. Uh, in soybeans, glycinin. Codfish, allergen M. In green peas, it's albumin. In rice, it is a lutein, um, glutalin, or globulins, and in tomatoes, it's glycoproteins. And so uh, for some food allergies, there has been follow-up analysis of specific proteins involved. In terms of uh, food allergens uh, uh, in uh, various food products, so you hear uh, re references to chocolate sensitivity, uh, to strawberry sensitivity, uh, perhaps citrus as well. Some of these uh, do not show positive uh, often on uh, double-blind studies, and so there's some question on the actual uh, mechanism of the adverse food reaction uh, in terms of some of these particular products. It could be the way the test is designed. Uh, it could be uh, idiosyncratic responses in the individual. Uh, these are food allergies that uh, are hard to document in terms of clinical study. Well, to follow up and to finalize here in terms of the treatment of food allergy, uh, I think uh, hopefully I've impressed on you that uh, food allergy uh, for many individuals is a very serious uh, situation, a very serious condition. Uh, in some individuals can be life-threatening. Total avoidance of a specific allergen uh, is uh, the best, uh, uh, leads to the best outcome. Uh, typically, uh, because of prior sensitization and the potential for anaphylactic shock, no level uh, is necessarily considered to be safe. Uh, very small doses can uh, elicit uh, a response, a cascading immune response in food allergy. And this is uh, different from other sorts of food sensitivities where perhaps uh, eating or drinking uh, a small amount of the food uh, will perhaps lead to a little uh, GI upset, a little discomfort, but not the cascade of events that is associated with food allergy. With people with true food allergies, cross-reactivity among the different allergens is a constant worry, uh, not only uh, in terms of uh, the, the food types that they know, but food types uh, exploring new foods, uh, going out to restaurants, uh, perhaps uh, uh, traveling and, and being in less control of uh, what you eat and the uh, uh, ingredients in a particular food product. Well, this gives us, uh, at least uh, for today's lecture, uh, a little bit of an introduction to, to the overall concept of, of food allergy as it presents as a disease manifestation in food toxicology. 
what we'll do next time is take a look at some of the uh, metabolic disorders and the idiosyncratic and, and sensitivity disorders associated uh, with the adverse reactions in food. Until that time, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.